thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, for the ministering work of your Spirit, Lord God, that comes from Jesus, that you sent, Lord God. And we ask, Lord, that you help us to lift up Jesus, not only in word, but, Lord, also in our thoughts, in our hearts, in our deeds. And we give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Today, we're going to be starting in Luke chapter 4, verses 15 through 21. And we are going to be reading about Jesus and his ministry in a very nice, uh, convenient way to define it. All right, is it up there? All right. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto Jesus the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them who are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them who were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. So what was happening at this time was Jesus was preaching and he was reading from the book of Isaiah. And the prophecies concerning Jesus Christ went back hundreds and thousands of years before his own time. Back when man fell, back in the book of Genesis, you can read this specifically in chapter 3. In verse 15, God makes a promise to Adam and Eve, and really, he curses the serpent that deceived them in the garden, if you're familiar with the story. And he promised to send mankind a redeemer, one that would bruise the head of the serpent, but the serpent would bruise the redeemer's heel. And what God was talking about there was the coming redeemer, Jesus Christ, Just as Adam had fallen and had brought all of humanity down to the depths of sin, the way that that happened, (laughs) I'm sorry, so would it take a man to redeem mankind. And that man was Jesus Christ. So, Jesus, when he was reading these prophecies, he was in effect proclaiming to be the Messiah, the Son of God, promised by God all the way since the beginning of Adam and Eve. So, Uh, The promise was further given to Israel, God's people and nation, from which the Redeemer would come from. And Jesus' ministry um, consisted of being anointed by the Holy Spirit, preaching the gospel to the poor, and to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and set at liberty them who are bruised. And these are not only just physical healings that we're discussing here in these verses, but really these are the spiritual healings that we need in our hearts, such as deliverance to the captives. If we've been saved, we were once captives to sin, but now we've been made free through his precious blood. Recovery of sight to the blind. Those who do not know Jesus Christ, God says, is spiritually blind. Without light, without the illumination of the word of God, you can't even learn the word of God properly if you aren't born again, if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. To set at liberty them who are bruised. Life is a bruising experience. Especially this year, we've seen so much heartache and heartbreak over all of these different issues, including COVID-19, and 
it, it bruises people's hearts. People have been losing hope. But Jesus came to give hope and preach the acceptable year of the Lord. We're going to continue to Mark chapter 5, verse 21. So, one moment. And that should be on the screen, hopefully. I think so. All right. And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was near unto the sea. And behold, there came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. I pray you, come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. Jesus' miracles were meant to prove who he was and fulfill the prophecies given hundreds of years before him. At this time, it had been roughly 400 years of no prophets, no miracles to really speak of, because God was trying to show Israel how on their own, there was nothing but dryness and deadness. On our own, we are empty and dead, spiritually speaking. So, um, Jesus' miracles, they proved that he was the Messiah. And Jairus, bowing down to Jesus, showed faith and humility. He was one of the rulers of the synagogue. And the interesting thing about the story is many of the religious leaders of that day would not humble themselves to accept Jesus Christ. They would look at Jesus and they would say, oh, look at this guy gathering these large crowds and they're following him and listening to him. And they really did not want to admit that he was the Messiah. They'll claim that they didn't know, but you read in the Bible that Jesus knew their hearts. They knew exactly who he was. And Jesus agreed to go with Jairus to heal his daughter. In verse 25, we're going to start there. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all she had, and was nothing better but rather grew worse. And when she had heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be made whole. And straightway, or immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And I'm going to stop there for just a moment. The story of this woman's faith is such a great representation of how our lives, once we were considered unclean, and he made us clean. In the Old Testament, God gave the law. And the law consisted the Ten Commandments and ceremonial laws and just ways that people would maintain their relationship with God. This woman suffered the issue of a hemorrhage, just internal bleeding. And, and it, was an, it was an issue that lasted for 12 years where she would seek out physicians and doctors' aids. But those doctors didn't really give her any, any help. But rather things grew worse. People without God often seek for their answers. They, they think they know what the problem is, but in looking for an answer, they look to the wrong thing. The world today looks to humanistic psychology. The church has even gone toward humanistic psychology, but psychology means a study of the soul. The only way the soul can be properly healed is through Jesus Christ. When you look at other things in the church as well, there's the purpose-driven life, a 12-step program, self-help books of your favorite kinds from your favorite authors, but none of them about to touch the hem of his garment. 
The hem of Jesus' garment represented his keeping of the law in perfection, and that is help came from God. This woman knew she was unclean, but she knew Jesus was clean. Actually, in the Greek, it says when she heard of Jesus, the Greek actually says that Jesus, I'm sorry, it says the Jesus, distinguishing him from all others. So she knew that he was from God. She had faith to know that he could heal, and she had probably heard stories of his healings. So we're going to go to verse 30. All right. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue or power had gone out of him, turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? He wants to know. He calls us. We have to respond. And sometimes when Jesus doesn't touch us, we can still reach out to touch him. The power which Jesus felt move from him shows a great lesson of faith, and faith properly placed will cause the Holy Spirit to move and work on our behalf. If your faith is in Jesus and what he's done for you at the cross through his death, burial, and resurrection, the Holy Spirit will move on your behalf. And everything you have as a child of God is given to you on the basis of what Jesus has done for you as an inheritance. So let's go to verse 31. And his disciples said unto him, You see the multitude thronging you? And you say, Who touched me? And he looked round about to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. She was embarrassed because she knew that she wasn't supposed to even approach Jesus. And really, she was probably very humbled at this moment. Those of you who have accepted Jesus Christ, myself included, at one point we were considered by God unclean, unapproachable. The leprosy was a disease very common in these days. And the leper could not be near anyone, in fact, isolated from most people. And when people would come near them, they'd have to shout, Lame, Lame, which means unclean, unclean. Do not approach me, essentially, is what that means. But this woman, she came and admitted that she reached out to be healed. And this is a beautiful statement that Jesus makes in verse 34. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of your plague. That word daughter right there signifies relationship. She not only got her healing physically, but she got her healing spiritually in her heart. The story of this woman begins with, and a certain woman. Not of much significance, but then... When Jesus addresses her, he addresses her as daughter. Do you know in your hearts today that God calls you his son or daughter? Do you know in your heart of hearts that your sins have been washed away and that you've been healed of the hemorrhage of your heart, the plague in your heart, which is sin, which every person on this earth faces, and a penalty that accompanies it? Let's go to verse 35. While he yet spoke, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house a certain one which said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble you the master any further? And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. 
in life, we're going to face circumstances and situations where we believe God's given us a promise. We know he's given us a promise. Jesus agreed to go with Jairus to heal his daughter. But he stops to speak to this woman, and then the news comes, your daughter's dead. Jairus probably in his mind was, Lord, we're too late. If only we had maybe a few more seconds to get there, you could have laid your hand on her and healed her. But Jesus reassures him of this promise. He says, be not afraid, only believe. Only believe. When a situation looks dead, be not afraid, only believe. We're going to go to verse 37. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and seeing the tumult, and them who wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he said unto them, Why do you make this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleeps. He was essentially saying, she's not going to remain dead. Not today. (laughs) And they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, he took the father and the mother of the damsel and them who were with him and entered in where the damsel was lying. So I'm going to uh, briefly pause here. Jesus hates unbelief. And he had to get rid of the mourners. In those days, it was customs for, to have paid mourners. People who would literally come to funerals to mourn the loss of an individual and cry and weep and sympathize. There's a lot of people in this world today that say, yeah, your situation is dead. I'm so sorry. Sorry, there's no hope for, for this. It, that's done. But Jesus had to get the unbelief out. When he went to Nazareth, He could perform very few miracles because of their unbelief. And the Bible says that him that doubts and has unbelief don't expect to receive from God because God expects us to have faith. Honestly, he doesn't ask too much of us, but he asks us to believe him. And when we believe him, the love of God's gonna be in our heart and we're going to do the fruits of obedience and righteousness that he requires of us. So, um, verse 41, and he took the damsel by the hand, and he said to her, Talitha kumai, which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto you, arise. And straightway, or immediately, the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of 12 years, and they were astonished with a great astonishment, and he charged them straightly that no man should know it, and commanded that something should be given her to eat. Jesus called her from death to life. He called her out of the darkness into the light. Have you heard that call? Have you received that call and answered from death into life? Do you know for a certainty that your life is hidden in Christ? That's the question that we all need to ask ourselves and analyze consistently and daily. All righty. We're going to go on to Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 through 13, for another great example of faith. Pardon me here while I flip the pages. 
All right. Verse five. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came to unto him a centurion, beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lies at home sick with, of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should be under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does. When Jesus heard it, he marveled, and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west, and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, but the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so be it done unto you. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. That was a lot to read, but I'm going to dissect this for you a little bit, this circumstance, and how it has some very strong significance to it. Jesus' ministry of healing and speaking, he never really truly directed it to people outside of the nation of Israel. God made a promise to Abraham as listed in verse um, 11. And Abraham was the first selected by God and he said, From you and your seed shall be a great nation, and all nations from your seed shall be blessed. And Jesus reaffirms that and he says that many from the east and west will come sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. God revealed himself mainly at this time to the people of Israel. Those who were not part of the nation of Israel were referred to as the Gentiles. The Gentiles had a very, um, very separated relationship with God. To, and this centurion here, he was a Roman. He was not from Israel, not really from the nation of Israel, from the seed of Abraham. But he had more faith in Jesus than all the people Jesus came to minister to. Jesus came to minister to the people of Israel and say, I am the one God promised of since the fall of humanity. I'm the one. I'm performing these miracles and speaking to you this way because there's been silence for 400 years to prove that I'm sent from God, essentially is what he was doing. Unfortunately, though, Israel rejected their Messiah but a Roman centurion knew of Jesus' power and authority, not only over sickness, but over him as well. He had to humble himself to come to Jesus and say, Lord, you're over me. I need you to speak the word, and I know it will be done because you have authority. So, the centurion had more faith than Jesus' own people, and unfortunately, Jesus' own people would deny him and be a part of sentencing Jesus to the death of the cross. And we're going to go into Luke 23, uh, verse 39, and we're going to see an example of faith expressed in Jesus Christ. And some of you may know this story. 
and Jesus is hanging on the cross at this moment, and one of the malefactors, which were hanged, railed on him, saying, If you be Christ, save yourself and us. And the other answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, seeing you are in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto you, Today shall you be with me in paradise. Just like the thief on the cross, we deserve the death penalty in the eyes of God. Every misdeed, every sin and failure and fault of our hearts, mine included and and the entirety of the world, is deserving of, in the eyes of God, the death penalty. And that is a righteous judgment. Jesus, however, knew no sin. He never sinned in his entire life. In fact, he obeyed his father for the whole span of his 33 and a half years of living on this earth, including in his ministry. Death is separation from God. Jesus took it upon himself to bear the judgment of God in the form of a sacrifice. So when Adam, as mankind's representative, through sin, cursed humanity, Jesus came as our sacrifice to bear our sins and become our advocate with God. So by one man's sin, death reigned. Death came into the world. Separation from God came into the world. Pain and sickness and sorrow and all the things that we see today going on in the world. I know 2020 has been a very difficult year for most people here. It's been a difficult year. And we don't really know what 2021 has to bring. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be bad. I'm just saying we, we, it better be a good year. But what I'm saying is this. We don't know what tomorrow brings. But we do know this, that God is faithful, he's good, and his mercy endures forever, and that's why he came. Jesus came to restore what Adam lost in the fall. Adam was supposed to be a representative for mankind to bring up children and teach them the the ways of God and have relationship with God themselves. But Adam, through sin, essentially declared union with Satan. And sin has to be judged. But God in his mercy told Adam and Eve that there was a way to continue to have relationship with him. And he did it through the sacrificial system. The the promise of a redeemer that I had read. Well, I didn't read it, but I quoted earlier on. He, when Adam and Eve fell, God killed an animal. And that skin of the animal he put on Adam and Eve as clothing to cover their nakedness. Without a covering or cleansing, we are exposed to the judgment of God. But God showed them a type and shadow of what Jesus would do for us. Later on, for the nation of Israel, he showed them more of the sacrificial system, and it was very risky. And moreover, the blood of the animals in those sacrifices could not take away sin. It could only cover sin. So the presence of sin was still in the heart of the believers of that day, but it was covered so God's judgment would not fall upon them. God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. There was a mercy seat 
inside of the tabernacle, and it was, it was made of gold, and inside was the Ten Commandments listed, and you'd see two cherubim arching, and they're, they're types of angels, angelic beings, and they would arch forward, looking down upon the broken law that was inside of the uh, mercy seat. But the mercy seat, when a high priest would come in and he would sprinkle the animal's blood on the mercy seat, the angels would no longer be looking down at the broken law. Instead, they saw the blood. And that is exactly how it worked for the hearts of the believers in that day. Jesus promised the dying thief that he would be with him in paradise. Now, what is paradise? Paradise in this context, it's not specifically speaking about heaven, but paradise was the place where believers in the Old Testament during the sacrificial system era, so to speak, they would go there. It was not heaven, but it was not hell either. It was a, it was a waiting place for them. It was peaceful. It's also known as Abraham's bosom, but it was right across from the burning side of hell. And they could see in it, but they were comforted. They, they weren't stressed out. The point is, when they would put their faith in the blood of the animal sacrifice and what it would represent for their redemption, in essence, they were believing God for and I don't like to use this term, but an IOU. God was saying, it's in credit. When Jesus came and he died on the cross, he paid the price in full. So their faith was then made sight. And when Jesus rose from the dead on the third day, he brought them with him and eventually into heaven. So we're going to go into Isaiah 53, 1 through 6, and that will be for closing. If I could get there. Here it is. All right, verse 1. Who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He has no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All, I, sorry. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. So this is actually a very, I like this passage of uh, scripture here. When we should have felt guilt and remorse for our sins, Jesus carried that guilt and remorse for us. When we should have paid for the penalty of our sins, Jesus paid the death penalty for us. He died to give us this resurrection life and that he, shoot, reading the notes off. <laughs> he died to give us his resurrection life that he paid for in his blood. In verse 2, it says he would grow up before God as a tender plant, as a root out of a dry ground. Jesus showed up during a dry season, spiritually speaking. As I said earlier, for 400 years, there were no miracles. There were no prophets. God was silent for 400 years. 
He has no form or comeliness, and when we shall see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. To, to everyone looking at him, he was just another man. He didn't, he didn't necessarily look bad, but he just looked like another average guy. He's despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. This really speaks of the nation of Israel, but as well as the nation of Israel rejecting their Messiah, and in fact being the ones who said, crucify him and let his blood be upon our hands and on our children's children. Not only does it, um, not only does it refer to that particular thing, but also the whole world rejects Jesus Christ today. Most of the world you look at people who have faith in God and believe in God's promises. And even though 2020 has been a rough year, they still believe that Jesus is Lord and that he can see us through these battles of, and, of problems and COVID. But a lot of people mock Christians who believe that. They mock the idea that you believe that God's going to see us through. So, surely he borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, and we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. There was a verse in the Bible that says, Cursed is a man who hangs on a tree. They wanted to try and prove something and say, See, he's cursed by God. Look at him. He's hanging on the cross. And the Bible says, Cursed is every man that hangs on a tree. But Jesus was not cursed. He became a curse for us. He bore the penalty of death that we deserve to bear. And he was wounded for our transgressions, for our sins. He was bruised for our iniquities, our sins. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Not only does that speak of physical healing, but it also speaks mostly of spiritual healing. God still heals today. I believe in a God of miracles. I believe that God can heal us even when the doctor says, I'm sorry, the cancer is going to end your life. Even when we're facing a situation when we're at our work and then we leave without a job. God is still greater than those situations. Amen. And all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. And basically that reinforces the point that Jesus bore our sins and what we deserve. So I don't know if I really have much more to say except this. Have you personally in your heart, have you reached out to touch the hem of Jesus' garment? Do you know that he's called you his son or daughter? Has he called you from death into life? Has he spoken the word of salvation into your soul? And has he said, verily this day you shall be with me in paradise? If you don't know, I'd like to just say a simple prayer. And uh, everyone, bow your heads and close your eyes. And those of you that don't know for sure whether you're God's child, put your trust in Jesus and what he's done for you at the cross through the shedding of his blood and believe that he rose again on the third day to give you life. So, Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of your son Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the price that you paid on the cross. And Lord, I ask that if anyone here doesn't know you, I hope that they make that decision today. And those of you that want to make Jesus your Lord, or if maybe you already have, but just want to reinforce that faith in your heart, just repeat these words and know that saying words doesn't save you or make a, a big thing unless you're believing in your heart what you're about to say to God.
Jesus. All right. Dear God in heaven, repeat after me if you'd like to. I come to you in the name of your son, Jesus. I'm sorry for my sins and the way I've lived. Please forgive me. I believe that Jesus died on that cross and shed his blood for my sins. I believe that on the third day, he rose again. And because he lives, I shall live also. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Thank you all. Wait here. Yes, sir. If you prayed that prayer, whether you're in this room or online, text the word LIFE to 561-232-3992. We want to minister to you. Text the word LIFE to 561-232-3992. Let's stand together. I just feel impressed to lay my hands upon Garrett and bless him and bless the gift of God in him. Um, the next generation needs preachers of the gospel. Needs preachers of the gospel. And I didn't call Garrett. I didn't teach him. I didn't train him. But I can certainly bear witness with the gift of God in him. I've been doing it long enough to know that. And so I want you to stretch your hands out. Father, thank you for this precious calling in this young man's life. Lord, I affirm it. I bless it. You're going to continue to confirm to his heart what you have for him. Lord, I believe he is going to be a preacher of the gospel. And he has more gifts than just speaking also. He's got very creative gifts Lord, that you're going to use in a powerful way to reach this generation. Lord, there's a final harvest that's got to be reached. And Lord, we need preachers of his generation. Thank you for the gift, your gift in his life. Lord, I ask you to just stir it up, clarify it, increase his passion, open his ear to the depths of your spirit to hear your word as you lead and guide him from this day forward. And Lord, we've been enriched and blessed today by this gift. We release that. We release that gift, Father. We thank you for Garrett. Thank you for his family. We pray your continued blessing over them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank God you, bless Pastor. You, God bless you, Garrett. Excellent job, Thank Garrett. you so much. Very good. Very good. Good job, kid. Thank you. <laughs>